0: You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live.
1: Welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm David Ignatius, a columnist at The Post. My guest today on our continuing series, The Path Forward, is Ed Bastian, who's the chief executive of Delta Airlines, one of the country's largest and most profitable airlines. Mr. Bastian, welcome back to Washington Post Live. It's good to have you. Well, it's good to be with you, David. Thank you. I want to just note to our viewers, if you'd like to join in the conversation, ask a question that we might use uh, in this interview over the next half hour, please send questions or comments to Washington Post Live by tweeting at Post Live and we'll we'll take a look. So, uh, Mr. Bastian, let me start with the overall health of your industry. The airlines over these last two pandemic years uh, recorded just astonishing losses estimated by mckinsey at over two hundred billion dollars uh, i want, want to ask you as as you look at the prospect of turning the corner to describe deltas and and what you see as the industry's strategy uh, for the the way back from this terrible downturn
0: well you're right david i don't know if there's an industry that was more disruptive than air travel there may have been a couple but when we hit the the true bottom of the pandemic in April, literally two years ago uh, to this week, our revenue base was down to roughly 5% of our standard operating levels. And as a result of that, we uh, have taken an enormous amount of steps to get our cost uh, better position. We certainly appreciate the support we've received Uh, from the administration at the time and uh, the CARES Act funding to keep our employees uh, engaged and ready for the rebound. Uh, We focused on wellness and and how we're going to not just protect the the health and the well-being of our customers, our passengers, but our business as well, that we're more resilient as as we return. And what we've seen here in the last two months, really probably since President's Day forward, is an enormous amount of pent-up demand for people wanting to get back out on the road. Uh, They've been cooped up for a very long period of time. Uh, There's friends, there's family, there's business. There's so many reasons why people are traveling. And our job now is to make sure we have all the staffing and the support in place to serve them the way we need to.
1: I wanna ask you about what you're seeing at Delta in in particular, you told CNBC uh, recently that March uh, last month, you saw the highest bookings ever, and I'm going to quote your comment because it's so extraordinary, that the demand is phenomenal. You said, we've never seen in our company's history the level of demand for our products and services that we're seeing uh, currently. Uh, my reaction when I read that was, wow, uh, what, what's going on here that your numbers are showing? Say a little bit more about, about what you see happening as recorded in those highest ever uh, uh, bookings. Well,
0: it's what I just referred to. It's the pent up demand, uh, the travel opportunity. Uh, Consumers for the last two years were staying home. Uh, They were spending and the consumer, uh, health of our consumers is something we watch carefully. Uh, And we're concerned like everybody is as we look at the impacts of inflation, higher fuel prices and what it means for pricing structure. But this is a category that they've prioritized. They have earmarked money and funds to, to get back out again. Uh, they're moving funds that they were spending on service, on goods and services into entertainment and experience. And we're a main beneficiary of that. And you're right. We had the highest level of sales activity in the month of March that we had in any month. And going into April, we've seen that same level of participation continue.
1: You mentioned the CARES Act funding that your industry got. Um, and Uh, taxpayers could reasonably say as they hear this good news about demand you know we made an investment in in this industry's welfare the numbers I saw uh, added up to about 37 billion dollars in in taxpayer support for for the industry Uh, I want to ask two things first how crucial was that government help in keeping the air transport industry going during these tough times and second what should taxpayers expect that they got for their money uh, in the in the tax money that was uh, given to you to your industry in particular?
0: well the the support was critical. If we didn't have the support that we received two years ago, we would not be talking about record volumes of people uh, being available to travel because frankly, we would have needed to disband you know, many of our workers There'd be uh, it'd be impossible with the revenues as low as they've got for us to keep our employees on the books. The support we received uh, went entirely to our employees. They did not go to the airlines. In fact, we had to justify based on our payrolls to the government, and that's how the, the, the funds were allocated. 30% of those are in the form of loans. So the, the taxpayer is, is receiving uh, and will be receiving repayment of those funds over the course of the next few years. Uh, taxpayer and the government uh, received warrants on our stock and our stock was was really at pretty much at the bottom uh, when those warrants were issued. So there's been a nice uh, equity return as well. But the most important return they've received is keeping employees on the payroll, continuing to participate in the economy, and being (coughs) positioned as uh, services and and, uh, essential services during the pandemic were were necessary for us to to fly through the storm. But then even more importantly, as the world is now reopening, the US airline industry is the best positioned uh, airline industry in the globe because of the quick steps that our government took.
1: Looking back, I'm just curious whether there's anything you wish the government had done differently, had done earlier. Uh, any lessons learned uh, in your mind from this uh, effort to, to sustain your industry in very tough times?
0: Well, I know all industries at some level uh, probably expected uh, the same kind of support we received at some at some level. But the thing I want to mention is that there was no industry that was more harmed than the air transportation system. There's also few industries that were more vital to our indus- to our nation's health and the need to continue to keep uh, the airways open, keep essential uh, workers moving to the front lines of the pandemic to allow individuals to get to the bed size of, of loved ones as they were suffering from COVID. So the fact that our government moved with the speed it did, I think, is a lesson to the future. There's a great role that government uh, plays. You can debate uh, the second, third uh, extensions of PSP, uh, just as I think everyone uh, discusses the impact of continued uh, taxpayer funding and support for the economy broadly. But no question, this was a great return to the taxpayers based on what the industry received and certainly was not a bailout as it's been uh, commented upon by some journalists.
1: I want to ask you about another uh, wild card in this uh, inflationary post-COVID environment, particular effects, obviously, of the Ukraine war are part of this. And that's, that's your uh, sharply rising cost for jet fuel Um, Wall Street Journal reported on Friday that rising jet fuel costs threatened to strain airlines' profitability just as resurgent travel demand promised relief. Talk a little bit about the the, the cost of jet fuel, uh, how how significant a burden that's going to be going forward. And I'm also very curious, uh, Mr. Bastian, about about what you and your economists, your analysts are forecasting in terms of Uh, jet fuel energy costs uh, out three, six, uh, ten months?
0: Well, fuel is second only to labor, our most expensive component to our our product and our service delivery. Uh, Fuel prices, jet fuel prices have more than doubled over the course of the last 15 to 18 months. And as a result of that, for Delta, that's billions of dollars a year of higher cost. And for the industry, that's, uh, that's probably over 10 to $20 billion of higher input costs that the U.S. industry alone is experiencing. Uh, fortunately, with the demand environment we're seeing, uh, consumers are understanding that and it's being reflected in ticket pricing. Uh, it's one of the reasons why our revenues are up is because our costs are also up. Uh, but over time, we expect uh, fuel prices will stabilize. Uh, we've seen rapid increases in fuel price over time. Uh, we've seen the volatility. Uh, just two years ago, they were down to $10, 20 $30 a barrel. Uh, today, it's over $100 a barrel, and not just the crude oil, but the jet fuel, which is the refined cost of the product in places like the New York Harbor, have gotten between 5 and $7 a gallon. Uh, so it's, it's, it's an unstable uh, marketplace. Fuel prices can't stay that high over time, uh, or else more more supply will be brought to, to, uh, to the energy markets for jet fuel, particularly to bring pricing down a bit. But it's something we've dealt with in the past, and we're going to need to continue to stay agile.
1: And any sense of how soon that leveling out of fuel prices uh, might occur?
0: Hard to know, David. I don't expect to see it change much over the next 12 months. I think there's a lot of... Uh, challenges we've seen with respect to uh, the uh, the Russian situation, uh, the fact that there's there's no uh, Russian supply uh, being bought, uh, brought into our market. Uh, Also, it's interesting because demand in China has been unseasonably reduced because of the continued COVID uh, position the country finds itself in. Uh, Demand in China, as it grows, pushes energy costs higher because they take more supply to fulfill. So I think the the, the next 12 months is gonna be pretty volatile. And we're all, at, at least at Delta, we're gonna do our very, very best to stay disciplined about making certain that we're, we're putting capacity into the market that we feel that you know, consumers uh, uh demand can warrant it you know it's ultimately going to come down to consumer demand if consumer demand reaches a point where it says these prices are too high i can't afford uh the high fuel prices any longer you're going to see probably an impact on on supply as a result of that as well
1: we have a, a good uh, a twitter question from one of our viewers and i'm going to uh, just uh, briefly read it it's from uh 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 GoNomadTravel.com simply, what is Delta's position in fuel hedging? Do you still own your own oil refinery? And how is that investment played out?
0: Uh, Yes, we do own our own fuel fuel, uh, refinery. It's in the Northeast outside of Philadelphia. And it's doing very well. It's uh, something that we acquired about 10 years ago. which was the last period of time that we saw in our industry oil prices stabilizing at north of $100 a barrel. In fact, in the 2012 through 2014 period in there, uh, for a series of two to three years, oil prices averaged about $100 a barrel. So we've seen this before. Uh, The refinery ensures that we have adequate supply because back then a lot of the oil refineries were actually being shuttered based on the high input costs that they could not pass along the refined uh, cost onto their consumers. Uh, A lot of the refineries in the US are geared towards gasoline production. And as you see, gas prices soar, uh, refinery uh, output starts to decline. So we're glad we own our own. It it, uh, ensures that we have adequate supply, particularly for the Northeast. And we've also been quite effective at uh, being an efficient uh, hedge uh, we don't uh, hedge in the financial markets we hedge by owning the cost of the refinery and it's we've made money in the first quarter and we expect to make even more money it in the second quarter
1: uh that's fascinating it's a good time to be in the refinery business uh, and it sounds like in the airline business too let me turn to every air traveler's uh favorite parentheses least favorite subject and that's mask mandates Last week, the CDC extended the current mask mandates for air travel and public transport generally through at least May 3rd. You uh, wrote a, a letter co-written with the CEOs of, of United, American, Southwest, many of the major airlines, arguing that it was time to, to lift those uh, mandates. I'd be interested in, in your brief explanation of, first, what arguments you made to the government and urging that the mandates be lifted. Second, what your expectation is about whether they'll be extended further after May 3rd. Have you gotten any indication from the government whether they might be lifted?
0: I certainly hope this is the last extension and we're all hoping come May 3rd that the mandate expires and the government now puts it on individuals to make their own decisions about how they care and protect themselves. Uh, from any any kind of health risk rather than the government mandating it. Uh, masks are going to continue well past May 3rd. Uh, customers, as well as our employees, will have the option to make their own decisions as to whether they wear a mask. I've said myself publicly, I may very well continue to m- wear a mask. At least that's an option I'll always have. We'll always be smart about that. But to force customers, to force our employees, not just in the airplanes, by the way, in the airports, uh, hours and hours, an international journey, you know tens of hours, cumulative time to wear a mask. it's It's quite uh, restrictive, quite uh, confining. Uh, it creates a lot of frustration and anxiety in a, in a, what what has been a, a stressful period as travel has come back. and particularly for our employees, our airport employees, our pilots, our flight attendants, to have to work their entire shift uh, day after day after day wearing a mask and forcing our employees also to have to police the mask activities of customers on board we've done it for 2 years and it's time to uh, to move beyond that and, and now make that the responsibility of individuals we know we have the cleanest air of you'll see, you'll find anywhere in the world you know rivaling a hospital uh, operating and surgery room setting uh, we know our planes are a, a sterile and and very very clean environment uh, you look at Other sectors of the economy where there are no masks and many, many more people gathered in closer quarters. Um, It just doesn't make sense to put our people and our customers through the stress. And that stress candidly is causing more harm on their emotional health and well-being than any physical reduction of COVID spread that one could ever expect that masks would stop.
1: Let me just pursue that a minute. Um, This uh, experience of uh, people who were stressed, uh, uh, losing their tempers, all the incidents that we read about, sometimes that we experience when we're we're traveling. Uh, One of your competitors likes to refer to the friendly skies. Sometimes they don't seem so friendly these days. I wanna ask you what you as CEO of one of the industry leaders uh, think about uh, getting a, a more civil uh, respectful tone in 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 all directions back as part of air travel, is that going to be a problem? What what thoughts and strategies have you got to to try to make this a a, a more pleasant experience for your employees and for all all the traveling public?
0: Well, I think lifting the mask mandate will be one step towards reestablishing civility and and normal uh, behavioral patterns on board the uh, the aircraft as well as in the airports. Many of the the situations you refer to, David, stem from someone having an issue with a mask, uh, another customer uh, objecting to the way someone else is wearing the mask, or uh, the response to one of our our airport agents or flight attendants asking a customer to keep their mask in in a a better condition and to wear it properly. So I think that's part of it. I also think as the world is returning to travel just as the world is returning to cities. City life is coming back. Restaurants are coming back. Uh, there's a there's a level of, of traveler that we've seen that was not our core traveler during these last couple of years. And as business travelers, as people that are more familiar with, with the travel industry and the patterns and customs and expectations of, of each other travel, you're starting to see uh, the issues of the the air rage that you refer to start to level out. So I think it's it's going to be all of the above uh, once we move through. And I think you see it in public life. I think you see it in streets. You see it in cities, in shopping malls, in restaurants. There's there's a new pattern, uh, or excuse me, a, a new pattern emerged during the last two years of people uh, m- maybe not behaving and acting the way they would if there was some some uh, some more traditional. Um, you know, individuals, customers, or people in the streets will find that same thing true in our airports and our airplanes.
1: Well, that, that's that's a, a, a hopeful thought. I want to ask uh, about the basic supply-demand situation in, in your industry. As you said at the outset, you've got this enormous surge of pent-up demand. People want to fly, they want to go back to uh, their business travel, uh, entertainment. Uh, But you've got a limited number of of aircraft and personnel to fly them. Uh, In some cases, there were cutbacks during the pandemic, which don't seem to have been made, uh, fully made up. Uh, One consequence is that ticket prices are are rising when you've got more demand than supply. Prices go up. Curious uh, about that. Should air travelers just expect that for a while uh, ticket prices are going to continue to climb? That's just part of the the, the this cycle of, of, the, of, of the the economic phase that we're in.
0: Well, you mentioned several of the factors. Uh, capacity is not fully restored. Uh, Delta, we expect in our second quarter coming up, that will be about 85% restored system-wide, uh, 90% in the US and somewhere between 70 and 80% of our international uh, flights restored. And that's not a question of us sitting on capacity that we otherwise could fly, it really is making certain that we get the staffing in place. Uh, Delta, we had over 20,000 of our workforce retire at the end of 2020, all voluntarily, and we've been getting out in front and hiring uh, individuals to take their jobs. We've hired 15,000 new workers to come back into the company over the last 15 months. Uh, We have a, uh, a considerable amount of of, of new folks that are that are learning uh the business uh, whether it's on the phones or mechanics or technologists or, or flight attendants pilots and so there's there's a lot of, of training going on and there's a there's a pipeline so that's probably going to take another 12 months before you see the at least the delta and my guess is largely the u.s airline industry being able to fully restore its service patterns and its seats back to where it was 2019. in the meantime you know, customers have not been traveling in the last two years, uh, so there's this pent-up demand. I think you're going to continue to see, not just I think through the summer. I think it'll go into the fall and and the balance of the year, because there's so much consumer demand. Uh, that we say, and business demand is still only about 70% of the way back, so we've yet to see that same inflection for business travel, which I do think we'll see as the year uh, unfolds. So I think the demand's going to continue to be very, very high. Uh, You mentioned we've we've, uh, incurred tens of billions of dollars of losses, so it's an industry that needs to get its health back, and to the extent that demand allows for it. uh, We're we're gonna need to continue to to keep our prices where they're at to cover the high cost, as well as offset some of the losses that we've had in the past.
1: One aspect of this uh, supply, demand, imbalance, uh, and the labor shortages that that you mentioned are are surely a factor, is the very high number of cancellations of of flights. It seems to be difficult for some airlines, I'm curious about, about Delta, to get the equipment in place when there are uh, weather or other problems that dis- disrupt the schedule. Uh, just uh, uh, last uh, Monday, uh, my uh, notes say that we had 270 flights entering or leaving the United States were, were canceled. It's a, just a huge uh, number. Why is that? Is that number so high, and what can be done to... Uh, get equipment and personnel better in place so we don't have so many cancellations?
0: Sure. Well, at Delta, uh, we have had our share of cancellations like everyone in the industry, but I'm also uh, pleased the fact that if you look at 2021, our last full year, uh, our overall rate of cancellations was substantially below the rate of cancellations that we had in 2019. So our team does a very, very good job of managing down the cancellations, in fact, we led the industry and had the highest uh, rate of actual completed flights or the lowest rate of cancellations of any of our our competitors over the last year. Uh, in recent weeks, as uh, the winter, uh, the end of the winter season has 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 uh, occurred, coupled with a huge surge in demand, uh, resources have been strained. Uh, there's few buffers. Our flights are 90% full. So when a, a flight can, has canceled in prior years, we weren't operating at this level of, of, of high demand and, and moderate supply. We had other seats that we could put individuals into. Uh, today, we don't have seats. We're, we're at 90 percent. We're trying to do our very best to create buffers and, and leave seats available when, when indeed a, uh, a flight gets canceled. But it's been pretty tough. Weather has, has uh, conspired against us, uh, particularly in uh, Florida where we've we've seen in the industry a considerable number of of flight delays and cancellations you know through through this spring and and late winter uh, the other thing is air traffic control has had the same challenges about staffing and resources and new people in experience in managing that our suppliers have had some of the same challenges so this is an industry that went David in January with omicron where very few people were traveling to march where everybody wanted to go all of a sudden and it's it's something that will it's it's not what our new order will be, it's really a, a, a key step in restoring stability, getting more flights, more more equipment back into the system, but also more people trained and ready to go to serve the demand we face.
1: So we have a comment that just come in, um, and I should note that you've you've had so some of your pilots, uh, in recent uh, weeks, out protesting. I saw. So a photograph from Salt Lake City International Airport with a pilot carrying a placard that said, if I look tired, I am basically uh, complaining about 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 staffing and scheduling. This comes from Delta Airline pilots, your, your, your unionized pilots. And the, the uh, uh, tweet says, if Delta thinks proper staffing for the summer is maintaining the current status of fatiguing schedules and record voluntary overtime then delta is not prepared for the summer how would you answer that
0: well uh, delta is prepared for the summer and uh i think you uh can understand the frustration that our pilots are feeling by the way every employee in the company myself included feels the same way we've been through a very very difficult uh, restoration uh, process and, and stabilization over the course, not just the last couple of months, but the last couple of years. Uh, we're working really hard uh, as as demand has been quite volatile to get our staffing levels where they need to be. We know in aggregate, we absolutely have the right number of staff, the right number of pilots. Uh, there's nothing that Delta is doing that's in violation of any of our our contractual uh, scheduling patterns or, or contractual obligations. Or safety obligations from the FAA, but it is calling for uh, the quality of the schedules not to be the same as it was pre-pandemic. And candidly, that's true of every employee in the company. We're all working hard. There's all a lot of overtime. Uh, we're we're doing our very best to serve the demand. We haven't seen demand uh, over the last two years, and this is the time we show up and we serve that demand. So it's not it's not uh, it's not unique. All of the airline pilots. Uh, across the industry are, are experiencing many of the same things all the employees across the industry are experiencing some of the same things uh, if a pilot is tired or fatigued they know and they have a they have a, a, a call that they make and a, a report they file that, that there's no questions asked uh, they can they can uh, they get fatigue support and uh, they're going to need to continue to work alongside us, as they are. Uh, the, the vast majority of our pilots are doing a great job there, uh, ensuring that we rebuild the airline for for the future. Uh, the summer will be busy, but we are staffed properly.
1: Let me ask in the remaining two minutes, uh, we have a, a kind of uh, uh, basic question. Pull the camera back a little bit. Since we did began doing this uh, regular series, The Path Forward, two years ago when the pandemic started, I've heard so many chief executives say, things won't go back to the way they were exactly. There's a new normal now. It's a a new world after the pandemic. I'm curious what you'd say about about your industry and your your company. What's gonna go back to the way it was and what isn't? What's gonna be different now going forward?
0: Well, I, I agree with that comment. And I think that our industry will be better for what we've been through. Uh, certainly on the topic of wellness and resilience and, and vulnerabilities and risk mitigation, uh, we've seen the, the biggest risk challenge that we've ever experienced in the 100-year history of, of our industry, what we've just been through these last two years. And looking after uh, the health, the physical health, uh, as well as the emotional health, uh, financial health, social health of our employees are, are things that we have, we've never really focused with the, the kind of sense of urgency that we have today that will carry on throughout the pandemic, ensuring that our product, our service levels are improved from where they had been. Uh, we, we've we slowed down. There's things that we used to do and we are running really hard to try to, to do all, uh, be all things to all people. And I know at Delta, we had an awful lot of initiatives that we scaled back and, and, and cut back during the, during the uh, pandemic to make sure we focused on the highest priorities. At Delta, we've also taken advantage of the pandemic. As travelers return to the skies, they're gonna see a brand new LAX facility that we are opening officially to the public starting tomorrow. Uh, the new terminals two and three are consolidated that are amazing. And it's to see the ground experience where a lot of the stress resides in the system uh, being changed. We, we opened that, opening that facility 18 months ahead of schedule and also below budget. And we're going to be doing the same thing in June at the new LaGuardia Airport that we've built. Uh, Two years ahead of schedule, Uh, new technologies. Uh, Our planes have uh, any of our older planes have been retired and we continue to take planes during the pandemic. So the fleet age of our of our fleet is actually two years younger, even though chronologically we're two years older. Uh, so there's an awful lot about our industry that that's getting better but i'd say the number one thing david that's going to be uh carried on is that people missed us people missed engaging people missed traveling people missed experience the world is more more there's more angst and fear and dislocation over the last two years time we've seen in our lifetime one of the reasons why is because our, our product wasn't being used and i think there's a greater much greater appreciation for being, being with each other and, and uniting and, and, and promoting understanding and, and collaboration and joy and just having a, a healthier life experience uh, that our product facilitates. And that's why I'm very optimistic that going forward, Delta as well as the airline industry will be in a strong position for the future and better for what we've been through.
1: Fascinating conversation. Thank you so much, uh, Ed Bastian, the chief executive of Delta Airlines. We'll hope to talk with you again before too long. Thanks for being with us. Look forward to seeing you in the skies, David.
0: Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostLive.com.